Hello and welcome back to the Mr. Jones Watchers podcast. This week we spoke to French artist and designer Marion Lebez. Marion creates handcrafted glass finishes for interior design and has also designed Noir de Clare, and The Ascendant for Mr. Jones Watchers. Keep listening to find out how Marion found her trade, where she gets her inspiration from and why she enjoys working with gold and silver. So I'm joined with Marion. Hi Marion, how are you? Hi, yes, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. So just to start the interview off, how did you come to design for Mr. Jones Watches? Um, so when I started my um, my own business, making gilded decorative glass, um, I needed a, a job on the side. So I found... Uh, a position as a print technician for Mr. Jones Watches. So that's how I met Crispin, the director. And then, you know, working closely in creative fields, you talk about other creative stuff that you might be doing. And so um, Crispin knew and learned about uh, what I do. And he's uh, always very interested in discovering new things. And he yeah, he was interested by my techniques and he saw my work on, at some shows. And uh, yeah, eventually we thought we could try uh, technically to make my type of work work on a very small scale, uh, which is really different from what I normally do, and make a single edition of a watch. So yeah, that was the beginning of Chinoiserie. Mm-hmm. Um, so before coming to work at Mr. Jones Watches, you didn't have any experience like working with watches before? No, no, I didn't know anything about watches before. Um, I trained as a textile designer, so mm-hmm. mostly on prints, but yeah, really my field was soft uh, materials and colours, textures, but yeah, n- nothing as uh, technical and precise as a uh, watchmaking can be. Mm-hmm. Can you just talk a bit about how you started your career and how you got into making, um, I don't know even what to call the stuff <laughs> that you do, you, you make interior design surfaces don't you? Yes, yes, it's a handcrafted uh, decorative panels um, and I use a special technique for it which is called verreglomise, so it, it basically means a uh, uh, gilding on the reverse of glass so um, how I got to do that um, as I said I, I started as a textile designer that's that's what I trained in in France um, and I really loved that and I was um, even studying I was more interested in the sort of bigger scale of patterns so quite quickly I, I got an interest more for interior um, surfaces like wallpapers and fabrics and, um, and a little bit less for fashion print which is an, another world and another scale of um, drawings and images it's also a, a much um, much harder kind of industry and yeah, the, the pace is different there so when I graduated basically I took my last internship in uh, uh, working for a designer, an object designer in London. And I, yeah, I just fell in love with London. So I had to find a way to stay. 
and I started to work as a surface designer for a studio who was making um, artisan kind of there were basically a bunch of people making incredible surfaces using all sorts of techniques and just putting things together and creating beautiful things. So my job there was to draw up and on the computer project how we could make our designs come together. So floral things, geometrics, uh, basically creating wall surfaces on on paper or, or in principle. And then working there, I started to learn the techniques they were using. So all sorts of things, very, very traditional uh, techniques like plasters, um, gesso, um, Venetian gilding, uh, but also things like resin, like synthetic resins, and um, how to create textures and things, how to create reflection and mixing things together. I really enjoyed doing that. Then at some point I decided that it was good to do things for other people, but if you have your own idea, um, it's probably going to be easier to um, try to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if easier was the, 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 best, uh, the best adjective, but yeah, I decided to start my own, uh, doing a bit of freelancing for a bit of fashion, a bit of interior uh, textile print designing on the side. And I yeah, got a studio and I started to create my own decorative panels. I developed a, a style which is a lot of branches and flowers and um, sort of imaginary landscapes, uh, all for wall panels. They could be used as mirrors or applied to pieces of furniture for, say, cupboard doors or a headboard, elements like that. So we're talking big walls, big pieces of furniture, like quite a different scale to Mr. Jones' watches. Mm-hmm. Is the majority of your work uh, commission-based or do you like create the surfaces first? No, I, I only do uh, commissions. I, I guess because of the scale, because of the time it takes to make up one piece. And yeah. and I think I'm also, I, I don't have the soul of an artist like I don't feel that I have to make something and then try to find someone to buy it Mm -hmm. Uh, I've always been a bit more maybe cautious I don't know is it the designer approach that I don't want to make an object unless someone actually has a a need or a desire to acquire it Mm -hmm. and then like what type of um, commissions do you do is, and is there a project that has stood out as your favourite? Um, I I really like uh, making a, a series like a number of panels for one single wall most of the time I do kind of more fragmented uh, parts that are going to be placed on a piece of furniture so there's something really satisfactory and really quite grand and in making say a set of five panels for I don't know the, uh, a garden display or something like that or or for someone's living room where you see in the space that the panels have huge impact ornamental um, I don't know geometric patterns uh, 
some flowers kind of uh, mixing in as well and a bit of just just mirror-like reflection in the center yeah the the pieces really come to life uh, I find in these spaces Mm -hmm. so can you talk a bit about your design process when you were designing um all of the watches that you've designed for Mr Jones watches so how would you approach a watch design so it all started with chinoiserie, which really, um, uh, I think, as much Crispin as I did, we thought about that watch first because we were trying to to transfer a technique that I know really well, but on a very on a much bigger scale, trying to make it work very precisely on a very small scale. And I think the design of it, um, I was very focused on the technicality of it. I really wanted it to be sharp and crisp and subtle in colors. And I wanted the different textures to be kind of visible enough, but not, not one taking over the other. So I think I designed mostly on the computer. Like I did some quick sketches uh, on paper, but that for me is just yeah very initial stage. I drew up a circle and plonked sort of areas to kind of compose um, group so not even defining what uh, the different marks would be so there would be a very very quick sketch uh, on paper and then I'd work on on my computer uh, to move shapes around create um, angles that I like um, cloud shapes uh, and I always try to think about the negative space, the, the sort of empty space first, rather than uh, thinking, okay, I've got to put a little flower here, a branch there, a bird here. Um, so I try to decide which area I want clear of all image in a way. And and then uh, we did a, we did a lot of sampling, so really getting some things printed on, on the watch faces, um, on the watch glass, and gilding, trying to do it in reverse, trying to do the things that in my head would work technically and see how in reality um, uh, it comes up. And when, when, you tr- when you make things, the doing, doing a lot and trying different things, slightly different, changing a little bit, will bring you more interest than what you could have imagined in principle. So yeah, sketching very quickly and testing physically and visually, that, that's really how I design, I think. I just uh, think a bit and make a lot and eventually something nice comes up. Mm-hmm. And then could you just talk a bit about your inspiration for the series? Because is it Nuage, Cat and Ch- Chinoiserie that are all part of the same series. Yes, and The Ascendant, the latest one as well. So mm-hmm. after making Chinoiserie, which we thought were a pretty successful little object on its own, we thought it has to carry on. We have to try to do something else. Um, so we, I mean, there was something very airy about uh, chinoiserie and sort of natural. So, yeah, very naturally we thought, what about uh, creating a series of uh, natural elements? So air, fire, water. Uh, but we took it in a slightly 
well, yeah, I decided I didn't want to be too literal about anything um, because if you try to make make something and name something too strongly, um, chances are it's just going to be a bit clumsy and a bit what I, I, w- I would have thought a bit obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the watch, for example, that in the series would be the, the element fire, I absolutely didn't want to make like a flame. So it was about creating forms and colours that indicate or have a sort of what would be the natural vibe of this watch. So do you look to anywhere for your inspiration creatively? Like in particular, is there something like do you read and find inspiration from that or is it nature? Um, I don't really uh, look for inspiration but I find that I don't get inspirations unless I live um, a, a nice or normal life like you know just simply going out of your house um, hearing mm-hmm. things seeing things just going to a park I don't go to the park to look for inspiration but just all the things that I see uh, feed into my sort of visual memory library sort of thing. So of course there is a big influence of um, Japanese and, and Chinese traditional um, screens, screen painting, silk painting, the textile influence of uh, mostly European but also a bit of Asian has an influence on forms I create because that's what I like and that's what I look at. But yeah, I mean... I go to Morocco and I come back with a lot of uh, tons of images of other fab- uh, other fabrics or textures or patterns on tiles or um, photographs of architecture also feed into the same. It's just about forms and colours. So a lot of things inspire me, really. <laughs> and where, you said you're, obviously you're French. Where in France are you from? I'm from Paris. And how does that, do you think that's influenced your work? And if so, how? Um, the part of uh, Paris, I think, that influenced my work mostly is that uh, growing up in Paris, your parents have to take you out and to museums and cinema and doing stuff because everybody lives in uh, in flats and I'm one of five. You can't keep five children in a flat all the time so you're you're gonna have to get out and do something so I think yeah I've always as far as I can remember I've always visited old buildings and old churches and museums Uh, so I think that that's a big influence but I think that's that's being that's being French uh, (laughs) as well (laughs) but a, a very big influence is I, I, I studied textile design in Lyon. And that was mm-hmm. a big influence because Lyon has a big history of uh, um, textile design uh, as a beautiful uh, history of uh, fine art as well and fine art in sort of decorative, uh, decorative arts as well. Um, so the, the, the idea of creating images and, and fabrics and objects that have a heavily decorated quality uh, as has been with me since yeah since I 
Yeah. Like you study in Lyon, everything is about all the, the architecture, the, the, the museum, the culture, that everything is about creating beautiful things. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's also a place to live. Um, uh, and it's also very near Italy. So when I was there, I also visited Milan. And you're just in the middle of a lot of history of decorative designs. So that was, that was, a, that was a big influence, I think. Mm-hmm. And when you were studying, did you want to be like a textile designer or like a printmaker? I really started to get a, a big crush on colours, like understanding and making colours, I thought was incredible. Um, so I, I wasn't sure whether I, I considered becoming what we call the colorist um, or color technician, I guess. But you can do that for cosmetics, like you know, making up recipes for um, lipstick or nail polish. Mm-hmm. Or, you know. So yeah, big uh, big interest in colors, and also simply being a freelance printmaker or print designer. I, I considered that actually quite a few times and I, I did a bit of it. But as I said, it's a tough industry. The mm-hmm. textile designing, especially for fashion, is all about consuming images very quickly. So you, you need to produce very quickly. Uh, you don't reflect on what you're making, what you're trying to achieve. You just have to deliver and deliver and deliver. And that, that's not really how I see uh, how I see the world. And I didn't want to do that um yeah also I was very interested in uh, art history as well so I considered that but ultimately I needed to be making something Mm -hmm. so it's just about finding something that works for you yes uh also I think uh I hope I'm not going to do the same thing every day uh for the rest of my life I I, for for the moment I'm I'm doing very glamise and, and that's the technique I'm very into it but um yeah I'm, I'm hoping to have space and mental space and and to be able to do something else that I might fancy better later on I don't mm-hmm. know say um, run a successful studio that can uh, work successfully without me physically be there and I don't know maybe uh, study uh, well, I don't know something else or art mm-hmm. history a bit further and don't know so on a different note so in your watches you work with silver and gold leaf and mm-hmm. how did you stop how did you discover that way of working so I discovered uh, gilding and particularly gilding on glass as a, as a craft uh, when I worked for a, um, an interior design surface making uh, studio in London so they were using these techniques and the, they explained to me how it works. And it's a, it's a very, very old, it's an ancient trade. It's been, it's been around since the Roman, maybe even before. Essentially, sticking metal leaf, like very, 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 very thin sheets of metal onto anything, wood, metal, glass, uh, porcelain, fabric, anything it really leather it works on anything so people have been doing that for centuries uh, and the technique is actually the techniques are very simple you just have to 
just get it right. Just learn it, do it over and over, and and you learn it. And and I did, and I find that, I mean, they're they're beautiful materials, but they really strong and at the same time fragile like there's something really robust about gold uh, it doesn't oxidize it's um, it's, it's relatively hard um, and it's hard enough that you can stretch it to this um, the, this level of thinness that you, you know is so light that you can you can move it just with uh, blowing on it which is actually how you put it down so yeah I don't know I find they're fascinating material silver silver has a in, in jewelry has a less exciting reputation as gold but in what I do silver it just allows me to do so much it has uh, many different faces and I use uh, I try to I make a lot of different textures I try things and I come up with more or less successful looks uh, but I only use these two materials, gold and silver, and they allow me to not get bored for years on end. Pretty, yeah, pretty <laughs> impressive. And what is it about different textures that you find like interesting and important to explore? I only use gold and silver, basically, and, and paint. I, I paint and draw inside uh, gold and silver. Textures help me to bring a different interest to... To my designs so I create a thousand and one different types of, of artworks with even this, the same composition if I wanted to uh, but the different textures will make every time every variation is um, is completely different the light will reflect differently on something that uh, dulls the the metal leaf or a texture that is uh, very smooth or, or stripy will bring something completely different uh, to the picture. So yeah, it brings a, a lot of interest and makes the reflective surface has got texture that's forever changing with the light and the time of the day and where you stand and where, where you look at it from. Mm -hmm. And do you always work on glass or do you work on like different surfaces as um, well? I've... I've in the past, I, I worked on, on resin. Uh, mm. By resin, I, I, I mean uh, synthetic resin. Uh, that, but I, I don't do that anymore because now I, I only work with non-toxic materials. Um, so epoxy resin is uh, completely out for me. But it, it was a very interesting material to work with as well. So now my work is really just on glass. I do, I do a little bit on wood occasionally, but not yeah, not substantially. Mm -hmm. um, are you working on anything at the moment? Um, I I'm, well, let's say I have something uh, waiting for me to do. Uh, mm -hmm. It's been a bit challenging in the last uh, few months to have anything done at all professionally. Um, I've got two young kids at home, and they take a lot a lot of my time and attention <laughs> uh, so yeah I've got a, a pair of um, decorative panels uh, I think it's going to go to a hallway in someone's house mm -hmm. so they're going to be silver silver on glass yeah and, and some decorative elements in it where do um your commissioners find you do you exhibit or you have a studio don't you as well 
private owners, like homeowners, uh, private clients will come to me often directly from having seen either my open studios or uh, having seen me at shows. So I, I, I did a few um, shows in London, like uh, Clark and Well Design Week. Or, um, and I, I did the, uh, I was invited at the Chelsea Flower Show one day to exhibit in a sort of artisan area that they they commissioned artists to come to so i yeah that was that was an interesting one that that brought a different type of uh, viewers to see what I, what i make um but most of the time i get uh, i get work from interior designers so um my one of my big big jobs is to let interior designers know what i can do and how and and then they place it or not in in their in their houses or hotels or restaurants that they're, they're doing so most of the time i will not see the end client uh, my my direct client will be um, working for someone else mm-hmm. so interior designer and architect really do you ever get to see the space before you start making the piece? Um, pretty much never. <laughs> no, I, I often just get um, uh, uh, plans um, or yeah, CAD drawings uh, mm-hmm. of uh, visuals of what the space will look like when it's finished uh, with measurements, mm-hmm. and that that's all I need. So that's all I get. <laughs> no, it's a shame sometimes. I, well, I'd, I'd I'd really like sometimes to go in the places and see, you know, the work installed and all the furniture and mm-hmm. all the lights in it. But yeah, that would that definitely help. Happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So about your watches, do you have a favorite, and do you wear them? Uh, I think chinoiserie remains, uh, yeah, my favorite. I think partly because you know the the design works really well and. Um, the colors are subtle, but I think the, there's also the the element of it was the a new and challenging thing to do um, collaboration, and and it, it worked uh, technically and and visually I think exceptionally well. So that one, yeah, there's I've got a huge satisfaction uh, you know, getting it to work. Yeah, I mean the the ascendant I quite like as well. Um, yeah, I quite I, I quite like them all. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, the one I wear most is probably chinoiserie. Mm-hmm. Was there a lot of um, trial and error in the start of creating chinoiserie? Uh, not really, no. I oh, it just worked so. straight away. Yeah, I, and I think that made it quite hard for the for the creation of the other ones because mm-hmm. that one that you know it just appeared and it was. Uh, it was yeah easy and pleasable uh, mm-hmm. to start with, and the end result matched the the expectation. But the other ones, we were trying to be as satisfied and ha- as positive and as happy with uh, the results as we were for the first one. But obviously, the first one being the first one, um, you just can't replicate that. But mm-hmm. they're, they're they're pretty successful too. <laughs> <laughs> was there any challenges in the other one? In the other one, sorry. Um, 
Yes, um, we had some we had some technical challenges on the the ascendant. Funnily enough, and I still haven't completely got my head around it. Some little things didn't work technically uh, as 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 I planned for quite a mm-hmm. while. Um, so that was a bit frustrating. And uh, but yeah, we eventually understood uh, what. Well, decided to sort it out uh, somehow but yeah there, there are t- sometimes technical challenges but and also the watch that I have in mind when I tell um, Crispin that I want to create something like this it represents that and he doesn't visualize it necessarily the same way so when my first drawings come along and he gets them and he that, that doesn't match what he's got in mind and yeah, so we had some yeah some back and forth like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's all the questions I have for you. But is there anything else you wanted to add? Um, no, I think that was good. Okay, great. <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me and record. Well, thank you. Marion's work is really unique, so it was interesting to talk to her about her creation process. You can find Marion's work over on her website, www.marionlebez.com, and her Instagram, at marionlebez. Thanks for listening. We have a new episode coming out every Wednesday, and until then, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, at Mr. Jones Watches. <laughs>